Good evening, and welcome to Cinema Death Call, the eulogy for the death of motion pictures and podcast form. I'm your host, Adam Bolger, and tonight I'm discussing the 1947 noir classic Out of the Past, directed by Jacques Tourneur uh, and starring Robert Mitchum and Jane Greer. Out of the Past has been recognized over and over as one of the pinnacles of film noir filmmaking. It's a meditation on love, control, entrapment, and fate. And to explore this iconic story of shadows and smoke, I'm joined by Richie Narvaez, an adjunct professor of, Eng- professor of English and the author of several books, including Roach Killer and Other Stories and Hipster Death Rattle. His latest book is Noirican, an anthology of 13 genre stories exploring the tragic world of noir fiction that I really hope I'm pronouncing correctly. Kind of. It's not bad. Okay. That was how she, well, Richie, Richie, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How you doing, Adam? It is Noir Eurekan. Okay. Noir Eurekan. Noir Eurekan. Yeah, All it's right. supposed to be, it's actually uh, three words uh, smashed together. New Eurekan. <laughs> yeah, New Eurekan, yes. you know that one. So it's it's Noir Noir Eurekan. So um, <laughs> that will really help its marketability. Yeah. <laughs> People, yeah. I, I oh, hope yeah. so. I had, I had thought of it, um, I don't know, in, in a... In a and a hashish dream or something. And it was just it's like, wow, man, I got to use that. So this is a noir classic film. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to have you on to, to talk about this. This is a really important movie to me because I watched it for the first time early in quarantine. Wow. I, had a, I had a professor in college, a guy named Fred File, and I found out secondhand that this is one of his favorite movies. He was a big wow. film guy because yeah, he died several years ago. And a mutual, you know, friend, former student told me that this is a movie he always recommended to people. Uh, I'd watch it like after really being um, disheartened at watching a bunch of mo- newer movies. Ah, you mean like neo-noir or just regular new movies? Just regular new movies, you know, and like, okay. yeah, contemporary releases. I don't know, maybe even like shit like Marvel movies or something. I don't know. It's like. They're just candy. Those are candy. I guess like candy, your metaphor is really good because there's something that's unsatisfying about them. Yeah, yeah. They're empty calories. Yeah. Yeah. I like some of the Marvel movies and whatever, and I'll enjoy them, but there's an emptiness to narratives and to storytelling and movies and was really bumming me out. And I was thinking about how just like the thesis of my podcast is that movies are dead. And I saw this out of the past. I'm like, oh, this is the rich world of cinema that we've lost this is mm-hmm. kind of a cornerstone uh, there's this and um uh the humphrey bogart movie um which one in a lonely place oh, in a lonely, lonely place. place yeah oh my Nicholas god with the face Ray. change he gets the face change that's a brilliant movie brilliant no, that's book. a different movie yeah no yeah no in a lonely place it's about him being oh, oh that's right no promoter no he's, he's violent a- Screenwriter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting them all confused. The 50s no, no, I know. You, the, yeah. the the movie you're describing sounds great too. Yeah, no, that's that's a different one with Lauren Bacall. This is one. Um, uh, there was there was a murder. He's got a really violent temper. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a really good movie. Have you read that book? Uh, In a lonely place. Yes. That's yeah, and that's because the book is way darker than the movie. But no, but that was those are the two movies. I was like, this is the rich world of cinema that we fucking lost. Oh, like, interesting. Okay. Yeah, and it was out of the past. And I was just so like, 
and everything about it is kind of great. Can I ask you a question though? Sure. Um, so I was listening to one of your other episodes about uh, one of my favorite movies, actually, Master and Commander. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and right off the bat, I think yeah. you said, I didn't want to watch this movie because it's a dad movie. Yeah, yeah. And even though I'm a dad, there's all these people have been telling me, I think it was, I'm sorry, it was you or one of the people talking, um, that it's like, you have to watch this movie. You have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I think out of the past, if, if you're interested in crime fiction movies, yeah. people are going to say, oh, you have to watch out of the past. Because oh. it, it's the knee plus ultra. It's the beginning of yes. real film noir. Um, yeah. I mean, it goes, some real film noir goes back faster, but, uh, but this was a really, the idea of the, um, the, the beaten veteran coming after World War II. This is like the definition of what we, I think, really what uh, American noir. Yeah. Uh, through this movie but the thing is so you there was all these preconceptions were you was that thrown at you no mess it wasn't so you didn't come in thinking oh i should love this movie i only later found out that it was considered to be a classic of the genre oh okay i only found that out like by the preconceptions no i was i was not influenced by that at all the only and the only thing that influenced me was that uh hearing secondhand that fred file my old professor Mm -hmm. he liked it i later found out which was kind of disappointing a little bit because I thought I had stumbled on this unknown gem of a movie. And, <laughs> and, and it's sort of like, hey, guys, have you heard about this Moby Dick book? Anybody <laughs> heard about this? It's uh, about a guy on a boat, uh, fish or something. You know, like you, right, right, right. I didn't realize how well known it was. And I, you and I know that this is the Ne Ultra. What was that phrase? A Ne Plus Ultra. I, th- I don't even know if I'm using that correctly, but it's <laughs> certainly, or maybe the Ur. The, or, the, the, or the beginning. This is the apotheosis of film noir. I guess it's the yeah, ultimate good, film noir. Yeah. Nice fancy, uh, SAT word. That's, <laughs> that's better than mine. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, it's like it distills all the elements. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Every Everything that, uh, I mean, you see a lot of the elements in this movie repeated again and again. And you, and um, after noir, kind of, uh, this kind of noir uh, dies off, I'd say, in the 60s. And the seventies, it starts popping back in a lot of the neo noir stuff. Yeah, uh, with, you know, people like Tarantino starts, uh, and uh, other people start ripping that off. So yeah, it's been celebrated, and and rightly so. But yeah, I, I was disappointed to find out that this was like the the ultimate noir that everybody mm-hmm. loves and says is the best one because I thought it was like a little hidden gem. But um, it is, I, I can't argue with that assessment. Yeah, I think it's. Um, uh, I don't know if people watch it as much as they used to. People who watch TCM maybe are big fans right. of it, but yes. it's not like something that gets uh, rediscovered a lot. Right. Uh, I think by by millennials, for example. Uh, I right. Just, you know what I mean? Um, they might even reference, if anything, they'll reference uh, against all odds. Some of them, hmm. you know, the remake. Um, oh. oh. Yeah. Remember? Oh. Did you ever see Against All Odds with no. Jeff Bridges? I don't think so. With a fantastic Phil Collins song. <laughs> How can you just walk away from me? When I there, won't you leave? I'm not going to sing it. Sorry. Please stop singing. Sorry. This movie is based on a book called Build My Gallows High, which came right. out I think, in 46 by yeah. uh, Daniel Mainwaring using a pseudonym. It was uh, written under the name Jeffrey Holmes. Okay. So uh, it's a very complex book. There's a lot going on. And it was shrunken a little bit, and characters were were melted together for this movie. And he and Mainwaring wrote the screenplay, though it was uh, massaged by people like James and Kane 
and oh. a couple other people and uh, uh, Frank Fenton. These other screenwriters changed it quite a bit, but it's still complex. And a lot of people thought that um, the second half gets a little hard to follow with which legal document matters. Oh, uh, like, what, 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 why is he breaking in here? Oh. Who is that? What's going on? What matters? I, and it does get a little complex, but I think you can follow it if you just watch closely. Right. Well, tell me yeah. about how it's, com- is it complex in its characterization or is it like a, a labyrinthian plot? How is it complex? No, it's more the plot uh, thing. Uh, the, the characterizations are pretty, uh, almost archetypal, I would say. But yes. just to get, get to the plot in a second, just uh, quickly, um, this whole idea that Wit needs these documents that an accountant of his will use uh, basically, Wit has been stealing money. He hasn't been paying his taxes. An accountant right, right, right. has information on it and has put it away. Uh, and Wit wants that information, and he wants uh, Bailey to, you know, um, Robert Mitchum's character to get it. And that's how he kind of is going to uh, set up Robert Mitchum. Um, yeah. But there's also another document that um, that Katie uh, Kathy uh, creates that ma- uh, makes him that says that he's the killer. Oh. And ha- so uh, that he killed a uh, fisher. Yes. At yeah. the cabin. Oh so yeah. That- she, she has an affidavit or something. Right. 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 Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that yeah. is another document that's important. Um, oh yeah. That's well, only, that's only mentioned in passing in the movie. Right. 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 Yeah. But he, he needs that. And because he, and it's at the guy's office and because he doesn't get it in time, the police come after him. And at that point, basically he is doomed. I mean, you could say right. he's doomed from the beginning of the movie. Uh, because that is a noir character. They're almost doomed from their very first step. Right. And that, yeah, that's definitely something that's in this movie, this sense of doom and inescapable uh, 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 fate, like inescapable fate that's negative, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. someone's pushing them towards something bad and they seem just to accept that. Like it's not even really that much of an attempt yeah. to escape it. And I mean, the movie makes a good argument yeah. for why it's inescapable, but right. it doesn't start that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think because it, when it first starts, it's almost idyllic. Oh, here's this lovely mountain town. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. And actually we have that lovely shot at the beginning where we're in the car, the driver's the car. Uh, it, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, In the backseat's a beautiful shot. Uh, yeah. And then we drive up right to the garage. With like the mountains and yeah. the, uh, the yeah. mountain peaks in like center frame. Yeah. Yeah. Very anti, like not, this isn't a noir movie, is it? Right. Um, right. Yeah, but it's beautifully shot. But um, once we see Robert Mitchum, and I think the, the, the thing is, like, Robert Mitchum has, isn't quite a star at this point. Oh, but okay. You and I know him as, oh, that's Robert Mitchum. Right, so right, right. You see him in that scene. And I think from our perspective, then you see Anne come in. Yeah. This sort of young, bl- uh, blonde, I think. She's very, sort of almost a uh, little town. She's 20 years old. Uh, almost <laughs> oh, she like, looks, she yeah. looks about 60 in the movie. <laughs> but yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in those days, things were, you know, all the smoke. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so she's, you're like, oh my God, there's no way he's going to stay with her. That doesn't seem to work. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Person, yeah, yeah, and then and then it's like, well, what's going to happen? Um, and then it, you know, he's got this background that he has to tell her. Uh, but yeah, he is. I think that's one of the hints that things are going to go downhill. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then he meets the other guy, Joe Stefanos, at the garage. Right uh, from his past. Right. Uh, yes. That's it. That's it. Boom. It's uh, it's funny in the book. It's it, it's been ten years since he talked to those people. In the movie, it's only three. So it doesn't really seem like it's out of the past. It's like yeah, out of the recent history. 
Yeah. You know, kind of, I, I always thought that was kind of a weird thing. It's like, oh, he keeps talking. This happened three years ago. Well, no wonder you're still in love with her. Right. You know? oh, do, you think, do you think he is? But before we like dig into little details, let's talk about the plot. Like, what's this movie about? What we what we have is very again we're saying archetypal uh, noir structure. There is this guy who was used to be a private eye, yeah. who uh, has decided who did something bad. We find out later, um, or covered up something, and has decided to start a new life. He wants to right. erase his sins, so yep. he goes to an idyllic town. Uh, has a very straightforward working man job, blue collar. He owns uh, a gas station. Owns a gas station, yeah. and he has he has a mute, uh, a dumb mute, as they said back then. <laughs> yeah, which actually makes him seem, of course, more like a good guy because right, I'm yeah. employing I'm employing somebody who's disenfranchised. And right, that's right. Part of it, which is, but of course, that guy is uh, incredibly sneaky. I love that character. Yeah, he's um, great. Yeah, yeah, and then and eventually kills somebody. Yeah, <laughs> with, that's a crazy. Yeah, idea. yeah. He doesn't even <laughs> and without without even a blink. Anyway, yeah. so he's trying to redo his life in this small town. Um, that sort of idea, by the way, that we keep getting back to, oh, it's a, the city is full of sin. Go to the small town, uh, and your life to, to clean yourself and start again. This is the basis, by the way, of every Hallmark movie. Yeah. Um, it almost starts with like a baptismal thing. He's like by the, by the river. Right, right, right. He's getting out of nature. Yeah. Out of nature. He's emerging from there. Um, and then, so his past, of course, that he's been, he's tried to escape from visits him in the form of a flunky from somebody who hired him. The flunky brings him back to the original guy. And it turns out that, uh, the guy who originally hired him to, uh, he, uh, he tells the story in flashback, which is a, a very popular film noir device. Yeah. Uh, he tells yeah, about 60% of this movie is, is a yeah. flashback. Yeah. He tells his new girlfriend and the virginal one. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, Oh, he, she, she's in the car and it's an, it's an amazing scene. Cause she's one of, what do they call that? Um, she's okay because she listens to him and he tells her it's going to hurt. And he basically yeah. he tells her a story about, so there's this woman I was really passionately in love with. I had a love affair with her and yeah. she destroyed me. Are yeah. you okay? And she's fine. <laughs> She's, she's, yeah, she's like, she's um, yeah. yeah, she's like the 1940s manic pixie dream girl. Cause she's like, Oh, exactly. Okay. Like she's it's like they used to say, yeah, the, she's a brick. Yeah, she's a, yeah. she's yeah, like that's this possible character. Like, so, yeah. you know, un- too understanding for real life. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, he tells her the story that he, uh, the, uh, wit who was played by, uh, uh Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Uh, his second film role. role. Second film role. And, yeah. um, it turns out this other woman, Kathy, had yeah. uh, shot shot him four times, got yes. him really once in the chest, and took forty thousand dollars from him. He want yeah. he wants to hire Robert Mitchum to just bring her back. Forget about the money. Robert right. Mitchum goes find her in Mexico, yeah. and there's this beautiful scene where she walks into this cafe, like uh, Mar Azul, and yeah. um, they just start flirting right off the bat. Yeah, it's not it's not the best flirtatious dialogue, but it's pretty good. I would it's say the big good. sleep. Big Sleep has the best flirtatious dialogue, but this is pretty good. It's very snappy, but it's yes. cool. And the dialogue in the first kind of third of the movie is all very snappy, almost to a fault. But then yeah. you realize that there's all that it all has a subtext, which right. know, I'll talk about later. But that's what really makes it. And I think that's what a lot of like noir, um, modern noir, people who try to re- redo it miss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they miss. They overdo. I think the that the poetry of that cadence, right? Uh, the poetry and the cadence. Yeah, so, they overdo the words and they forget yes. about the they forget about the depth, the subcontext. But yeah, please yes, go on. You're doing yeah. so well. 
yeah, let me just so so um so he he meets her and of course boom she's she's a vision coming into the cafe. Yep. Um they basically fall in love. Um, yeah, immediately, which immediately, is immediately, yeah. And then what they do is now here's this this gets a little I would cast a little bit of uh, uh ambivalence about whether or not she falls in love, but yeah. Right, right, right. Well well let's just they, they immediately go, get into the sack, but we don't see that. Right, right. They become lovers. Um yeah, and yeah. then and then uh Wit uh, Kirk Douglas shows up and says, "Hey!" And this is a really <laughs> nice, tense-filled scene, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. tension-filled scene. And he's like, "Oh no, no, I didn't find her. I don't want to spend any more of your money. I'm leaving." So yeah. um, uh, she walks in, of course, while they're having breakfast. Uh, he does a fake out with a drink. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Douglas leaves, and they escape. And this is the silly thing to me: they go back to the states. Yeah, yeah. They go to in Mexico. Like, let's go to San Francisco. Let's go to a major city and hide out. Yeah, they yeah. Go yeah. to the major city. Uh, his old partner, who was in first hire to find her, yeah. sees them, uh, tries to blackmail them, and uh, uh, Robert Mitchum tries to is trying to cleverly get out of it. But she just they start fighting, and she just shoots him cold bloodedly. And this is where we really yeah. get the best sense of her character and yeah. the idea of the femme fatale. Yeah, her and mask so, kind of falls a little bit. Totally falls off. Yeah. He turns in this beautiful camera shot where he turns, his hair flops, his big hair flops. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell? Just you shit. And uh, she's like, well, I had to do it. I had to, what do you yeah. expect me to do? Yeah. And then as he's cleaning up, she takes off. She, yeah, she leaves in, yeah. Yeah, without him he, knowing. Without him knowing. And then he's yeah. like, oh my God, well, hey, well, and I tried it. Then that's when he tries to wash his sins away. But then, of course, the, <laughs> the old flunky finds him, yep. hires him back for another job. And then while he's having breakfast, which he doesn't finish, which always annoys me when people at movies when people sit down at breakfast and they don't actually eat. I'm like, yeah, the yeah. eggs are going to get cold. Anyway, so <laughs> he's sitting down and then um, yeah. she walks in, of course. Yeah. And she's back with uh, Kirk Douglas. Yeah. And he, he's like trying to be casual, but he's also clearly seething at the same time. Um, yeah. And this tension between them, this then back and forth with the rest of the movie is this. Um, Betrayal upon betrayal, betraying Kirk Douglas, betraying her, betraying him. Uh, she doesn't right. want to go to jail, but yeah. she has evidence. She's so then, gonna, yeah. And, and so then, then Kirk, Kirk Douglas like hires Robert Mitchum mm-hmm. to go do this kind of. I don't think we need to get into like the details right now, but right, kind of this like case. But it becomes quickly apparent that it's actually he's trying to get revenge on Robert Mitchum, right? Right. It's just a setup. The whole yeah. thing. To do this is just to try to double cross Robert Mitchum, so he ends up um, with his prints all over this guy's apartment. Right, yeah. and this is where the movie really sings for me, and the whole thing about inescapable fate, because he Robert Mitchum figures this out. Yes, yeah, he figures he, this all out, but it doesn't save him. Yeah, there's a marvelous point in the cab. Um, the cab driver is fantastic in this movie, and goes cab <laughs> drivers again, very archetypal for film noir. He tells yeah. him, "Hey." I'm in a frame up. I yep. know he knows it. I'm in a frame up. And yeah. but the thing is he keeps going. Why yeah. does he keep going? Why doesn't he just get the hell out of there? Yeah. Or call a lawyer or right. something. Yeah, dude, dude, this is not your best option. But of right. course go um, to the airport. Go to the airport, man. Go back to Mexico. Yeah, you were better already, off there. Yeah. You're already in a cab. <laughs> you're in a yeah. cab, just keep going, dude. Just keep yeah. going. Just yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. But and then there's and that's an open question. I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is like, how complicit is, you know, the woman? How complicit right. is Katie? Right. And that, and that seems to, it's in, it's in doubt for most of it. I think we can kind of 
not say exactly what happens at the end. I don't know. I mean, because it's we, you know, I don't, we, I think we can spoil it if you're worried about that. I, I think people. Well, what will, do you think? I mean, probably. Right. I don't think anybody's going to listen to us without seeing the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be because I think people who are, are interested in a podcast like this, they want to, you know, they they've seen the movie. That's what draws them to it. And yeah, I, yeah. I actually, I don't mind spoilers myself. Right. I, 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 to be corny, I do think it's the journey. Yeah. Um, a oh, good true, movie. Though. Yeah, a good movie. It doesn't matter if you know the ending. Right, you right, know? right. I mean, it's kind of nice to see it on that level, but also you understand a story. A good story, you see a thousand times right. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and if okay. a movie only, if the only trick it has up its sleeve is to surprise you with something, right. and if it's ruined by not having that surprise, it's a shit movie. Right. Yeah. Yes. I am Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> Bruce Willis is alive. You know, but it's like. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Never yeah. talk about that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, that, the, those, um, but those are both like pretty like well constructed movies. A lot of stuff going right, right, on, right. and they're well, no. you know, they're well done. And yeah, I think you can know that um, that uh, totally innocent man and innocent in life too. Kevin Spacey is really yes. horrible, <laughs> innocent. <laughs> yeah, innocent yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible yeah. Uh, Kaiser Sose. Um, yeah, yeah. But you can no, still is, watch it a movie. And, a, and, right, yeah. it is still a very enjoyable movie. I actually, just right, said right, that. Right. All right, so that. then let's yeah. talk the ending of Out of the Past then. Let's yeah, so uh, what happens is is you went, you might think you're walking into a romantic comedy at the beginning or a romance, but yeah. uh, he is doomed. And there is a moment where he can walk away and yeah. she comes in and yeah. she says, uh, he, and he, he's supposed to report to Kirk Douglas. He wants to see what's happening, but she's yeah. killed Kirk Douglas. And yes. at that moment, he can kill her or he can go. Yeah. He gets, and this is remarkable for, for, you know, we tend to think of Robert Mitchum and the film noir guy as this macho um, avatar kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but he is very passive. Yes, honey. Yeah, let's just, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he, I'll wait down here while you pack. Um, yeah. And then, so uh, that's it. What he does actually is call the police. Yeah, he calls the police. Yeah. yeah and, and he's basically. Which also seems very not like detective right. in a noir kind of movie. Right. He's basically almost sealing his doom because, he, well, at, at the very least, he's going to jail. At the very yeah, least. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But if we know Kathy at this point that she will do anything to not go to jail. Yeah. Uh, and she has killed people for, with like nothing. Yeah. No blinking. So um, what happens is uh, they're driving away. They're trying to escape. Uh, they're supposed to get to an airport. And, of course, there's a roadblock of yeah. police. And she's like, you, well, she's trying to say you bastard. She, she knows that she's, she's been betrayed. She takes a gun out of her purse because she's always has one. And she shoots him in the gut. Yeah. Which is, which is really horrible. Um, yeah. and then, I think she does say you rat bastard. Yeah. She maybe she, yeah. Something like that. And then yeah, yeah, he yeah, basically yeah. runs right into the, into the, the blockade and yeah. kills her. Please come over. They look at the, she's completely dead. She's been shot by a machine gun. Um, yeah. and he, they open a door and he pops out a corpse and yeah. so therefore we know that um any chance of his washing away his sins was it was there was never a chance of it he was he was doomed to die right uh, right, right. and the questions i think we're left with is like, some of you brought up um what did he ever, ever really have any chance yeah. why did he keep making decisions that were not best for himself and were they really in love with each other yeah yeah i mean that's you know? the first thing because he meets her in mexico and yeah. they fall, they fall in love. It's like kind of this romance thing. I'm like th watching it. I think at first I was like, you dummy, this is the <laughs> dumbest move. There's a million chicks out there, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. But and, she has that flying saucer hat. 
you can't you can't resist a flying saucer hat. Right, right, right. So he falls instantly in love with her, and that's yeah. he's powerless to that love. So it's actually right. weirdly naive in that way. Right. Uh, yeah, but I think that the movie wants you to have that reaction. It wants you to judge him for that. You know, I yeah. don't like because I was watching it first. I'm like, oh, I'm smarter than this fucking movie. You know, <laughs> but I think that um, the movie expects you to be like this dummy shouldn't fall in love with her. There's too many right. red flags and it's just a dumb idea. Right. Right. Yeah. But um, I think, well, think one thing Kirk Douglas who sent him on this journey n- knows that she's a looker. Um, yeah. And that he'll be tempted. So you think a, so? I, he's, well, I, yeah, there, there's he a bunch of ambiguity about him. I think. Yeah. There's, well, that's a whole other thing, but let's get to um, just think about the love thing. Sure. 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 Um, I think he's, uh, uh, she's very beautiful. She's got an allure, and yeah. he's been there for a while. And this is a guy who uh, we find that he's. We get the sense that he's alone. He's beaten. He doesn't like his job as a private eye. No, uh, you can see that in in the uh, when he first meets uh, Kirk Douglas. He's like, yeah, okay, very laconic about everything. Yeah, he's he just, bored. He just, he's bored with everything. And here comes this amazing woman uh, uh right <laughs> beautifully framed um with this music right. in this exotic locale it is it is like you know it's basically a wet dream it's a penthouse letter right well there's that but it's also like he's he's a nihilist he's a fatalist he's checked right. out he's given up on life and so in walks this amazing distraction that can consume him mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. so- actually that's a really good point yeah um, th- th- a lot of film noir has to do with the uh, reaction of the uh, Western male to the destruction of the war. And they come back and there's all this fake rah, rah, we're great. Everything's wonderful now about America. And that's the 1950s. But underneath it, you have all these guys who are killing people left and right, blood (laughs) and uh, all over through in their skin, you know, Uh, and blood and murder. And they've seen the worst of humanity and they're trying (laughs) to deal with that. And I think film noir and noir post World War II is dealing with that. And so you have this, this guy who's like, he's probably not dealing just with ennui. He's also like depressed, maybe a little PTSD. And yeah, then, so she comes just, in and is like, this like, is a light. She's like, she's like a dream. She's like life. Oh, she yes. makes him feel alive. That's right, it. right, right, right. She makes him feel alive. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, yeah. I'm imagining like World War II, PSD, yeah. then, then you come home and it's like, you right. know, look, I fucking, you know, I, I killed a guy with my bare hands. Announces, right. <laughs> announces yeah. a deal with fucking driving a Ford and listening to the fucking Andrews sisters. Exactly. Like, it would just drive you insane. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. Because you're just like, you just, you, you go to sleep at night with dreams of, of being tortured. Yeah. Or, yeah. Of, of stabbing people, just, you know, stabbing some, a, a fellow human just to survive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, here there's Bob Hope with his, with his, <laughs> with his, with his jokes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, there's, and there's no awareness of it. There's no compassion for it. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not being played at any. You know, being touched on in any of the mainstream. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And this is the the, the uh, radio is still very very. Uh, uh, if you listen to any radio shows, everything's rah rah gung ho. Uh, in the fifties TV shows, everything's fun. You know, we're trying to be right, happy right. and enjoy the wealth and success. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of being now now the greatest country in the world or the most powerful country in the world. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, full of beans. That's what we were. <laughs> but you know? at the same time, like concurrently, you know, f- noir and this kind of darker, darker right. culture is kind of bubbling up. Like that's how people are 
you know, that, that's what's happening in this new technology of film. That's what's happening right. with in, in Pulp Fiction. You know, it's happening even in tel- like television, radio. Like it's it's not all super pleasant stories. Right, right, right. So yeah, there's still some some dark uh, detective stuff and and uh, uh, and crime fiction stuff, mystery stuff that was going on. Um, it's not the most popular stuff. I guess I don't think it may ever be. It's always we we, we always our culture has often been filled with platitudes and and trite stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think definitely the the rise of film noir uh, yeah. and a lot of these movies has to deal. A lot of them is like these 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 tired guys. All you can all see they're they're in their thirties and forties. They would have all been uh, in the in the war. Um, yeah. Uh, and so and, and you know the thing about the war that people tend to forget is you know you're a soldier you're a trained killer that's what they train you to do right they right, train right. you to kill so you come back home and they say buy a car yeah you become a salesman. Um, I've just been <laughs> killing people for three years, and I have a gun that I brought home. You right, know? right, right, uh, right. So, and, you know, so this, 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 there's a deep darkness that's happening. Um, yeah. And I, I would say yeah. that the one of the reasons that Anne is the, the, the virginal, uh, it's Virginia Houston, or um, I forget the name of the actress, uh, but her, her name is actually Virginia. Um, yeah, yeah. The reason that he's not going to stay with her yeah. is that she is, um, she doesn't make him feel alive. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He he's yeah. bored by her. I mean, he 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 wants he wants that that to be enough for him, but it's not. Right. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's clearly not. Like he wants to. Like he says in the beginning, like, you know, I want to ask you to marry me, go to home right here. <laughs> you know. And but you can tell because he That's just. Very like, good, very good. Uh, I did a little too southern because he's from yeah, fucking yeah. Connecticut. Yeah, but uh, uh, which I just found out today. But anyway. Bridgeport, yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, he says that, and you can kind of tell that he doesn't mean it. He's trying to, like, because yeah. he, he seems like what's interesting about his performance uh, is that he seems like um, like disassociated, like he's not there. Like his right. he's playing a character who's not there. Right. Like you, you called him. Uh, I don't know if this is before we recorded, but you called him passive. Yeah. Which he totally fucking is, but also he's just like re- a step removed from every. Right. Every like event he encounters. And that's what drives like his, the repartee. Like that's what drives right. the fucking rat tat tat dialogue in this movie is this sense of disconnection, the sense of, of not of alienation. Yes. So, that's a great word for this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he is going to say a one liner, <laughs> you know, instead of like just talking like a person and right. to keep somebody else at a remove because he's not comfortable with, you know, fucking, himself for the situation right, yeah. or real yeah. emotion real emotions baby i don't care right yeah yeah, yeah. so like you that becomes apparent early in the film in a minor character when you get into the the diner and yeah. it's the first real oh. dialogue you hear in the movie like that waitress she's the first like rat tat tat hey you know, i'm abroad and here's the thing you know like yeah. really like snappy really yeah, snappy very, fucking very snappy and then uh, she meets um joe stefanos and uh stefanos of course is right there to hear some dialogue with um uh the guy who's interested in Anne. there's a guy in yeah. town who's of course yeah exactly the yeah. cuck the the, yeah. the the with the who wears out those weird fifty sweaters. Uh, I thought he was uh, a or, cop, but I guess he's, he's a cop. A, he's a, a cop, but no, or he's no, no, he's not a cop. He's like, but he's a straight laced guy who yeah, tuck, yeah, yeah. who tucks his sweater into his pants. That confused me because at the end, you know, he kind of is complicit with them getting 
arrested and stuff right. or the investigation, yeah. or whatever. And I was like, well, why isn't he a cop? Like that seemed, why are you keeping yeah. him a step away from being a cop? Yeah, like, he's, yeah, he should be a cop, but no, he's just one of the straight laced guys. He's yeah, very yeah, symbolic yeah. of, of the clean cut image that the fifties wanted to be. Yes. You know? yeah, but, yeah. but, but Mitchum is the dark undercurrent. Yeah. Cause um, she's, cause the girl, she, that's not enough for her. Like, yeah. she, you know, that hometown shit, she's bored too. Right. She's and bored too. Yeah. yeah and, and that's why that's the allure of Robert Mitchum right. is that he's somehow not of this place. Like he is foreign or whatever. In a sense, he's a different, he's a, he's an other actually. Yeah. Yeah. He totally he is. is. He's, he's, um, he's an urbanite. Yeah. Yeah. He's an urban. He's exotic because he's seen things and yeah. she's drawn to his darkness. Oh yeah. And Cause, cause yeah, she if it was the sixties, yeah. she'd be going to art school. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Cause she, she, you can tell cause he kind of reveals his past and whatever. And you can tell that she suspected it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what she, that's what, that's why she's, she's so drawn to him and everything. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, she romanticizes and exoticizes him. And the yeah. same the same way that he's doing that to her. She's yeah. like this exotic, like, um, uh, uh American ideal, right. uh, virginal thing that will, by going through her, honestly, he's yeah. going to, by joining with her, yeah. he's going to, he's going to. Uh, become a new person but at the right. same time he resisted because he knows it's not going to work oh yeah well it's like yeah. two people that are in relationships with idealized versions of the right. other person right. it doesn't exist yeah exactly so that yeah. that's that's doomed anyway if he did stay um i don't know what would happen i mean that's a whole I, well, movie. yeah there, i think it would have been just like every miserable marriage that right know, yeah they have first grandkids. It would be great yeah they yeah they yeah they'd stick around each other because you don't divorce in those yeah. days yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And probably end up beating her or something, becoming an alcoholic, the yeah. town drunk, the town drunk. That's what he would have been. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, but, then, so, but we talked about like the, the, the landscape, the mountainscape that was yeah. in the background of those scenes before, like, even though this is like the ultimate quintessential film noir, it deviates from film noirs mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a lot of small, but great ways. Like yeah. it's a, like, there's a lot of uh, interesting outdoor. Um, yeah outdoor photography in it like they take great advantage of things you can the movie travels the globe I yeah mean, it's the, only in, yeah it's in new york for like two seconds it's in san yeah. francisco for a little while yeah um, it's in um what is that town in nevada they're in nevada reno tahoe and, i think and tahoe yeah tahoe yeah. it's got a beautiful house yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that wonderful like uh river skate that you see yes yeah, yeah. it's in the background of the scene and yeah. also there in mexico like just the you know they went to mexico Yes. They could have easily just shot it in a back lot, you know, fake Mexican bar mm-hmm. and had all those scenes and just a bedroom. But yeah. instead you have outdoor stuff and like, and it's beautiful and it's, and it's so nice. Yeah. And, and of course it, it, you know, makes it, makes it look like a, the, the getaway place. Yeah. Which and it makes it look like a real movie too. Yes, actually. Uh, they, this was, um, I forget. And I was reading up on the movie too. A studio that turned out a lot of B movies, but they decided to put some money into this one. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Because the director really was like a kind of a B movie guy. Yeah, yeah. But it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful direction. And we had mentioned—I don't know if we mentioned yet—he's yeah, the guy who did uh, directed the Cat People. Yes, uh, a really bizarre movie. And, uh, I think <laughs> also the Demon, the Night of the Demon, which Night I watched. The, yes, I watched some scenes from that today, and that's. That's just like a big monster movie, as far as yes. I can tell. It yeah. seems like a big monster movie, yeah, like Godzilla style big monster. Um, it's not he's not huge, uh, but the thing is, uh, you don't see him to the end. Oh, okay, I watched the end. 
Okay, yeah, no, the thing is, that's a whole thing, and it was unusual for those days, because you usually get to meet the monster fairly quickly. Oh, so uh, this is like a predecessor, yeah. like Jaws or something. Where they right, don't it's very similar it. to that kind of idea, but what he does, uh, if you look at it closely, uh, for a long part of the movie, you don't know whether the, the monster is real or not. Right, yeah, even in that scene, there's, yeah. there's some ambiguity, and which I yeah. guess is, is the ending. But yeah. uh, but anyway, you can yeah, definitely... Inter- no, 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 that, that's really helpful, because... You can see like how that direction of like horror movies. They also did like I think I walked with a zombie. Oh yes. well. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see like his experience with fucking horror movies and kind of that imagery, how that just informs um, out of the past too. Because yeah. like like the this is the craziest fucking lit movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, you know where every light source is in the movie. Right. You can walk in and out of shadows constantly right. and then walk in and out of light. And then it's a storytelling device. Like every yeah, single, beautiful. it yeah. changes 900 times. And every time there's like something it tells you about the characters yeah. or the plot, it's wild. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's kind of, it's it, every scene is beautiful. It's like a photograph. Yeah. Um, this is, it's a hallmark of film noir, which uh, just to use my Wikipedia knowledge, this comes, <laughs> of course, from German expressionism, where they use the, the very yes. stark uh, contrasting lights. Um, and it's, it's done really well here. And uh, yeah. one thing I think that's important. And to many know, of those movies are, are kind of horror movies, like Cabinet yes, Calgary and shit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're not just crime fiction movies. And I w- will say, so the idea of noir that we, we often talk about today uh, comes is often linked to film noir. Right, 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 right. Literary noir is something different. Okay. Um, and what happens, uh, literary noir is, see, because you can see a lot of film noir movies and the characters aren't always doomed. Yes. Uh, yeah. They could, you know, it, it could be really dark, darkly shadowed and everything, but they may survive, right? Right, right, um, right. Like Chinatown, then, Jack Nicholson exactly. is mostly okay. Right, he's mostly okay. Um, yeah. But something, you, when you have a noir story, the yeah. protagonist is doomed. And they don't necessarily die. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're basically, their lives are so upended yeah. that um, they're, they're, they're destroyed almost emotionally, mentally, by their okay. experience. And the thing is, so not all film noir is literary noir. Okay. What, what we get in um, or what we call roman noir, like uh, noir writing, Unfortunately, noir is such a better mark. It's so cool. It's being used as a marketing term for the last few years for all mystery fiction. So yeah, 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 you yeah. can write a cute little uh, mystery thing um, with uh, uh, Jessica Fletcher and show, oh, that's a nice noir. No, it's not noir. Jessica Fletcher will survive. <laughs> She's okay. All right, so noir, yeah. noir entails death and doom yes. and faded, faded death and doom. Right. right? Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and yeah. film noir is really about the lighting and and also sometimes a dark worldview, but not uh, but sometimes people can survive. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And this goes back to bringing my Wikipedia knowledge. Um, <laughs> you know, um, Oedipus Rex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, most, Oedipus, the most famous play of all time. Yes. Right. Really yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But so Oedipus Rex is like a primary noir, literary noir. Okay. This is a guy who um, he thinks he's the shit. Sorry for using poop language, and he. He, he, he thinks he's so clever because he, he solved the riddle of the Sphinx. There's, yeah. a, big, there's a big problem now uh, in the kingdom. So, they, so he says, I'm going to solve it. I'll take care of it. And so he has hubris. He thinks he's the best yeah, 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 yeah. guy of all. And the thing is, everybody, as he's trying, going around asking questions, telling him, you know, maybe you shouldn't ask so many questions. Maybe you yeah. should leave that alone. And he keeps pushing. 
And of course, yeah. he finds out that he's the cause, and he ends yeah. up taking his own eyes out. Now, so, now wait, now wait yeah. a minute here, Richie. Yes, I, I got it. I'm sorry, I'm going to do my George W. Bush impression for Mister <laughs> No Fucking Reason. I thought now Bush wait, just suddenly jumped in. That was so good. <laughs> now wait a minute. Now, now hold on there. Um, no. So what I was going to say is like what you're describing to me sounds a lot like um, just the definition of tragedy. Yes, Greek tragedy. That's exactly yep. what it is. But in those days, it was somebody. Greek tragedy is usually somebody who uh, is elevated, like a king. Uh, yeah. falling from a height or somebody who was a great person because yeah, Oedipus yeah, yeah, yeah. is a great person. He, he saved the kingdom at the beginning, uh, <laughs> yeah. falling and becoming and, and basically falling into the gutter. Most yeah, yeah, literary yeah. noir is somebody who falls from the sidewalk <laughs> into the gutter. And that's the kind yeah. of stuff I, I try to write about because um, a lot of my characters are just normal people and they yeah. just, they doom themselves as well. And I think that's, I think it's it's fascinating to watch. It's it's kind of a dark view of humanity, but right, uh, great. I, I have fun that as a story. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I like noir a lot. I I, um, I will say though, a lot of revisionist noir, uh, I just I can't stand. Like the way the way like a lot of things get lifted, like the dialogue or uh, yeah, or stuff about because um, private eye stories are not like entertaining in and of themselves. Right. I think no. people get confused about that. The idea of a private detective or a private investigator, that alone is not an interesting concept. Right. Yeah. And that goes by the way to the idea of a lot of private eye movies are film noir, but they're not noir. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. You Cause know, the way they're shot and not, but not actually like the, the plot. You know, the, right. Exactly. Yeah. He walked, the detective walks away to solve another crime. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a Marvel movie again, but, yeah, uh, true. You know that that, that uh, Nick and Nora will be back. I, yeah, I know that's Nick not really. Nora, yeah. but I love a, them. I love them. I love them too, but yeah. that's only because you know um, Maltese Falcon, same author. You know the guy's name. Come on, come yeah, on. Dashiell Hammett. Dashiell Hammett. Yeah, yeah, same same author, and it's not really a film noir, but there's just like a ton of those fucking movies. So right, works. yeah. Um, did we talk enough about Mitchum and Kathy? We should talk love- about Mitchum and Kathy first of all. Okay, so Kathy played by. Uh, Jane, Jane Greer, Jane lovely Greer. Jane Greer, yes. Whose nickname was the Mona Lisa of film. No, <laughs> no for real. Do you know why? I, well, from what I understand, she had had facial paralysis when yeah. she was younger. She and, had facial paralysis when yeah. she was younger, and she kind of did like some sort of physical, facial physical therapy yeah. where she learned how to emote with her face. Yes. Yeah. But, but here, yeah. she looks... She's basically... Uh, her face doesn't move very much. She's beautiful to look at, but... She, it, it also helps uh, any the men who come along to, again, idolize her because they can project their emotions onto her. Right, right. You know, you know. And she's very interesting as a character because, yes, she is this femme fatale. Right. And she is this love interest. But it also seems, because everybody in the movie is trapped, you know. Right. They can't get away from their fate. Even Kirk Douglas, who thinks he has control, yes. he's, he's just as trapped as everybody else. But she's the one that's trying hardest to escape. And so she's doing it through seduction and manipulation and trying to take advantage of, of anything she's, she's, she can. Right. You know, what, this, that's what like a woman in that period, that's what she might feel is her only power. I mean, she has right. more power, but for, for Kathy, that's like, you know, these, these are, I'm playing to my strengths. Maybe that's what she's thinking. Yeah. Well, these are the cards I'm dealt, you know, I mean, I yeah. got to play them as best I can. And so, and also like being a sociopath, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah. Yeah, that uh, helps. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, she feels pretty big... easy. Yeah. But I that think... makes her really interesting. Like, she's a. Yeah. I, yeah she's and also, the way that's revealed is very interesting because, because you see a lot. Again, this is like. So you have this snappy dialogue and you mm-hmm. have like this repartee shit and like their romance or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just take away the language and the cadence and whatever. But the whole subtext is that she is stringing him along. Right. Because yeah. she thinks that he, she's trying to manipulate him any way that she can because she thinks that maybe he'll be able to protect her or help her escape at least. Yeah. When I first watched a lot of these movies, I was very young. Yeah. Uh, when I first saw this, I loved her character. And I felt really bad that they didn't stay together. Oh, really? Yeah, my God, she's beautiful. It's Robert Mitchum. Why didn't they stay together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad. But now, of course, when I look at it, it's like, wow, they really made her cruel and vicious. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the thing is, uh, there's a there's a line of thought, of course, that this she's she's the pro- very typical femme fatale. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. The, the, the lovely woman who snares men and then uh, puts them puts them in a trap. Uh, snares men into a trap. Um, but also it, has some agency. And it has some agency. Yeah. And the thing is, that's why some people have called the femme fatale feminist, the feminist kind of thing. Yes. But some people hate that at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's because they're a, evil. Because they're evil, and that's yeah. a weird. Sort of, the thing is, like of its time, if yeah. you, I was, if I were a young actress. And somebody said, we're going to make you the killer. I'd be like, oh, my God, yes. Right, right, right. It's so much well, more interesting than, than going, than screaming or um, just uh, mooning over a man. But, yeah, right. she's, it's, um, it's a fascinating role. I don't know if it's feminist or not, but I think it's yeah. still a great role for an actress. Well, I'd say it's, I mean, it's definitely more interesting than the doormat uh, girl from the <laughs> yeah. fucking little town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she gets to kind of do that. You get three different degrees of like yeah kind of uh i don't know like manipulative uh female agency or any kind of agency because mm-hmm. the the three female characters the main ones are like the 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 girl from the small town right uh, her the femme fatale and then like there's a sort of secondary femme fatale yeah mita or meta i think her name is and she is the one who uh she only has like two scenes yeah but uh, she's great because she's, she's great yeah yeah because if she takes, she's not as good at the um, uh, lying, the subterfuge, right, right? As the other lady, but and she's more direct as a consequence, right? So the first, the first lady, the main femme fatale, by reflection, becomes even kind of like you know you you respect her more, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, she's she's excellent at her job. <laughs> yeah, she's good at it. Yeah, yeah she's, she's good at it. She's yeah, and um, I do think that uh, by the way, in, in re- when I rewatch it. You yeah. can really see that she is wrapping Robert Mitchum around her finger from the very start. Yeah, um, yeah. I think she sees as, him as an easy mark. Right. I think as a young person, I was idealistic and thinking, oh, no, it's only later on that she has to save herself. But yeah. no, I, I think really she's like, you know what? Um, she just shot Kirk Douglas. She's got his money. And <laughs> now she's going to, she knows why Mitchum is there. Right, she right, right. This, this white American man is in town. Right, I mean, right, right. She gets it right away. Um, well, she's the only character in the whole movie who we know has like an inner monologue. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, like she's the only one that clearly is like thinking and scheming and seeing, like angling for shit. Like everyone, that in a hidden way, because like right. when Robert Mitchum does it, he does it overtly. He's like he tells you exactly what he's thinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> and he's he's almost a. Um, 
uh, I guess like a, like a, just a, a wound walking around. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But also a laconic wound. Like, yeah, this man is hurting, but he's like, he's okay with it. You know, they were yeah, like, yeah. Know, he's well, he's yeah. accepted it. Right. It could be all the marijuana. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, but <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's what's interesting because he has so much presence, and right. there's like a, there's a story about him like not really knowing his lines or being like real casual I've about heard two different things about that. I've heard yeah. that, that he, it doesn't seem like he, he goes on set and it doesn't seem like he knows his lines, but he's actually fucking with people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that he was a super professional, but yeah, I, I think that sounds right to me because you wanted to be that kind of badass in a way. Yeah. And that I mean, much I, of a fucking st- you know, stone cold pro. Right. But I, you know, there are good and bad stories about him. I'm sure a little bit of both are, are probably true. Yeah, um, you know, there's some point, there's some horrible stories about Kirk stories Douglas. About yeah, yeah. Oh, and Kirk Douglas. Wow. Um, and there's a there was apparently a rivalry on the set. I mean, a basic pissing contest between these these two young guys in there. I think they were just turned about thirty, both of them. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're Do just you like, think that like like Kirk yeah. Douglas he he he's surrounded by taller actors in this movie? <laughs> yeah. It's very yeah, funny because he's like, yeah. "Hey, I'm the big tough guy." Yeah, yeah. So I got to act twice as hard. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's really good. He's really yeah. good, and he plays a great character too. Yeah, yeah. He's but, got great presence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He totally is like all this charisma, but it's very funny that like everybody's about a head taller than him in the movie. Yeah, yeah. You could see that when um he's with the the Joe Stefanos character who's like six yeah. five. It's like yeah. wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that guy was uh, that guy was fascinating too because he. At first, you think he's just some dumb lunkhead yeah. hitman, but then he has that amazing thing about killing the man. Like he's he's describing killing the guy. Oh, yeah. Like, I yeah. never saw a guy who was so scared to die, and he seems like troubled by right. that. Yeah, and it's a very small scene, and then yeah. we don't hear much else from him in the rest of, of the movie uh, <laughs> until he gets yeah. murdered via fishing hook. <laughs> <laughs> exactly by the by the by the by um the right. kid from we used to be in the little rascals um basically <laughs> yeah, what an ignominious death in a film noir well yeah man what a way to go and the kid does it so nonchalantly i love that yeah yeah it's so yeah it's kind of the most badass actual thing in the movie anybody yeah knows. yeah there's everything yeah. else is basically shooting and and expect expect expected stuff and he just kills him and, and then he, and and robert mitchell's like okay we gotta go yeah, yeah. It's like he kills yeah. a man and straightens out his collar and walks out of the room. Exactly. Yeah. He should have yeah. got a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's... Out of the past again. <laughs> Re, out of the past. Yeah. Uh, no, out yeah. of the present. That'd be the second movie. Yeah, exactly. And then out of the future. Oh, my God. Where he's like, has a jetpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still can't talk. But Still can't talk. He has a jetpack. Yeah. Maybe he's got like a computer modulation device that yeah Steve you, Hawkins, did you ever you? watch i know that yeah did you ever watch um little rascals at all i'm familiar with it I'm, oh, i think it was on like channel 11 when i, I was think a it's kid before your time it was more my time well, it was like 1930s and 40s it's like the yeah. reruns of it used to be on yeah, tv a lot. yeah but it used to be on channel 11 and channel 9 exactly yeah yeah he, had, he was on there and his face does not is not changed and was, this, was he really in the little rascals yeah, i thought you were just rascals. making some oh no he totally was and it, the face is exactly the same he's not no watch, alpha or anybody no, famous, no, God, no i think he's a uh, butch well not butch not butch um i forget the name the kid he had the he had the thing with the jelly that's what i remember he had a yeah, big, I, wonderful jelly sandwich um i'll have to look that up yeah but, all uh, i know is alfalfa and eddie murphy 
yeah, that's that's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a complete history of this. You know, this well, yeah, that's how little I know the little rascals is that even though I really I love Eddie Murphy and and all, all I love that um best of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say VHS, but you know what I mean. With yes. Eddie Murphy, yeah. Like I watched that a million times when I was a kid. I never understood the fucking point of that buckwheat. Oh, character. wow, that's interesting. Well, buckwheat. The, the thing I will say just briefly: Little Rascals were amazingly multicultural for the 1920s. You had yeah, yeah, yeah. almost one kind of everything. Um, I don't think you had an Asian child, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. you had they several, hadn't invented uh, those yet. Several yeah. African American kids. Um, yep. They didn't have a Puerto Rican. I would have noticed, but um, <laughs> they, they they were all dirt poor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, young girls in there mixed in, and the thing is, unfortunately, the boys, uh, the, the African American kids, were often uh, had stereotypical traits, and that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what Eddie Murphy's messing with. Uh, I, that's what I assumed. There's also like, was that that speech? I don't want to spend too much more time on the little rap. <laughs> was that? Did he speak with like that today? Today? Yeah, like that? yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. the week. Yeah, he did do that. Unfortunately, right. yeah. So we do not feel that Kathy was in love with him at all. No, I don't think that she loved him at all. I think, and I don't know if he loved her. I think he's right. just fucking bored and checked out and broken and just like right. for, and then he kind of just rolls the dice. He's like, right. he, he on this vision walks in and he's like, eh, this is a good way to right. fucking destroy right. my life. Right. Know, my right. worthless life. Yeah. Right. And in, in fact, in that sense, then, Anne, the woman from uh, the small town is probably more evil to him. Because she represents stability and all the things that he's been really avoiding. Yeah. He thinks he wants that. That's what? not clearly that's not what he wants. Yeah. Well, he's been kidding himself into thinking yeah. he wants yeah. that. And it's and I think it just becomes like crystal clear to him in that moment. It's like, no, no, I <laughs> he, uh, he, I was gonna call Anne, but maybe maybe not. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah that's not yeah. my thing. I have another cigarette, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's fallen off the wagon, maybe, but it's also like, you know, if you're like, no, you know what? I think I liked heroin better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so I think that's one of the reasons um, his whole thing to wash himself of sin and, and his past is, is doomed to failure because in his heart, who he really is, yeah. is, is that dark person. Is a right, yeah, yeah. Who will do bad things. Um, and I think that's one of the worldviews of... Uh, I, I don't know if I, I, I completely believe that, that that's, you know, you can't escape your past completely. I like to think we can change. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the view of a lot of these movies is sort of that classical Greek idea. It's like, that's it. You've made a yeah. decision. You did something bad in your past. That's yeah. it. You are doomed. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. going to come back. You're on rails. Like right. you can't. Exactly. Yeah. You can't escape it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't swerve off the fucking road. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. we also know from real life that people do very, very bad things without getting into detail. I want to get it too much. People do very bad, bad things and they just stay quite successful. Yeah. There's many, many people in the world uh, who are just, yeah, they kill, they maim, they lie, they cheat, and they 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 live quite well. Right, right. Because your next book is the proof that uh, Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer, right? Like that's right. the book you're oh researching now. Yeah. That's oh what you're god. alluding to, right? Totally, yes. Oh my god, yeah. I only write about Hispanic, Latino characters, <laughs> so uh, that's why I, it was a racist reference. I'm glad you picked up on the racism yeah, yes. of it. <laughs> the next one's going to Marco Rubio's something something. I mean, as long as it's not white. 
<laughs> Love's not a white senator. Hey man, I got I got to stay in my niche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah, that's what sells, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you had said you wanted to talk about Mitchum himself. What do you think about Mitchum himself as an actor in this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very interesting point. I'm glad you. Yeah, because you could make this argument that he doesn't. That maybe he's not doing that good of a job. Right. You know, right. you, if you really want to be uncharitable, you could be like. This yeah. guy's not in the scene. He seems a little bit removed from it. He's not in rhythm with these characters in a way. Right. Right. You know, um, he's not, he's saying the words in the script, but he's not like doing the script. Right. Uh, which sometimes, you know, that could be like full on irony, you know, right. some, like somebody really like hamming it up in some role. And that can, you know, depending on the actor, that can be great. Or it could be really fucking annoying <laughs> or it could just be, you know, or it can right, be right. incompetence, which right, maybe, right, right. you know, you could be like, is this person not capable of emoting? Is this person right. not capable of like bringing a reality to this? But I think that it's a technique to give the character more depth because it got yeah. me way more thinking about it. And once I got, had that, once I accepted that idea, yeah. I mean, it's, an, it's a movie from 1947. It's mannered. Yeah like the rhythm of right. the way people speak. And, you know, there's that snappy dialogue. It feels written, but mm-hmm. his, he brought a reality to the character despite all of that. Right. I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you, like you were saying, I mean, there, there's, we get that sense of tiredness and maybe that's just him. Uh, right. Yeah. Which is valuable too. Don't discount yeah. that. No, it yeah. actually really works for his character. Maybe yeah. that's the way he walked on set. Maybe that's the way he, 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 he was in real life. But it really yeah. works here. I will yeah. say that there, there, he's done a variety of other movies where, yeah, sure, he kind of plays variations of this. But the when you see him in like other movies, it's kind of weird because you could say, oh my God, is that Robert Mitchum? Because he's actually emoting. Uh, there's a movie called uh, Holiday Affair with uh, huh? Janet Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a romance. It's basic. It's it's a Hallmark romance. Okay. Like uh, uh, like uh, write a textbook, uh, okay. but he's. He's charming and yeah. sweet in it. And he, mm. he's talking to this little boy and he's like, oh my God. And he doesn't want to kill the little kid. <laughs> you know, it's not like that other movie where he's the, the, the past. Right. Yeah. Cause the other, t- yeah, there's yeah. the um, uh, right hand, left hand, love right. and hate. Right. Movie. right. And, and also he's Max Katie. Yeah. Night of the Hunter. And then also um, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. Yes. Original Cape Fear. Yeah. All that kind of thing where he's basically being Mitchum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those, I mean, but is that a product just like knowing him from those two movies mostly? Maybe, but you know, yeah. um, there's also that uh, what the the studio um, manufacturing of movie stars. They didn't yeah. want you to play a character. They wanted you to play. We want you to play Robert Mitchum, but this time you're a priest. But this right, time right, right, you're right, a salesman. Right. Um, yeah. So, so it's a little different, but it's yeah. the same. Uh, yeah. And that, they wouldn't have wanted him to like be that much of a character actor. Uh, or do something uh, unusual like that. Uh, right. But I think if you have enough movie star clout, you can kind of say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Like, right. Right. And um, um, I really think he, like this was what he was comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, but have you ever seen friends of uh, Eddie Coyle? No, I know what uh, it is. Is it good? Uh, is it worth seeing? God, man, you have to see that. All right. Uh, yeah. It's a 1970s and total noir movie. It's yeah. noir, noir, noir through and through. It's a, uh, Almost all dialogue, not even that much action. And he's yeah. an old thug yeah. uh, who's not uh, up in the organization at all. Um, yeah. You'll see a lot of actors that you know. Yeah. Uh, 
it's really uh, I don't want to play it up for you because then, then you're gonna be like, man, Richie, no, no, no. telling me this is good, and I and then I have to shit on it. No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm already sold. I love like t- I love tough guy movies from the '70s. Okay. I love Robert Mitchum. Yeah, I've seen that title, and I know, like, I know, I think I've seen clips from it or, or okay. images from it, and I, I like even the colors of it because it looks like um, it's like similar color uh, palette to like Uncut Gems or. Yeah, that kind of gritty, kind of yeah, very gritty New York. Um, yeah, Seven Ups, uh, great uh, French Connection. Right, uh, yeah, even, even a little murkier than that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Boston uh, person, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so definitely worth seeing. And you could see him. It's nice to see him later in life. Those um, that hound dog face that he has gets more hound doggy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't yeah. he like he was like Jim Jarmusch used him in a couple? Jim Jarmusch of was oh my god, what was that movie? Uh, like Dead Man, I th- he's in Dead Man. Dead Man yes, yeah. maybe something else. I, but I think he kind of had a late in his career, yeah, renaissance. Like I don't know the comparison I make would be like Roy Orbison or something. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like, you know, like, that's, not, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah like the, for the for for doing what he did well. Yeah, and then he dies almost immediately yeah. after the recognition. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, great yeah. to have you back. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Hey, you're terrific. Thanks. Unk. Yeah, here's yeah. a here's a late late in life Oscar. Yeah, sorry about arresting you for okay. weed. <laughs> exactly. And that but in you know, in the grand sweep of history, that makes yeah. him so much fucking cooler than any fucking other like right. Hollywood icon. He yeah. was the one that was arrested for fucking weed before yeah. <laughs> like in the fifties. It's so cool. Yeah. He was having a weed party in his house. Yeah. yeah. And they said, actually, that movie I mentioned, Holiday Affair. Yeah. They said he, they made him do something like that in order to try to clean up his image. <laughs> because he, you know, you know, they, you know, marijuana. Right. Heard the marijuana. Because like the Be- so, the Beatles weren't even out when he was smoking weed. Like that, yeah, he was yeah. a fucking dirtbag innovator. Like he rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes. Um, I like when Kirk Douglas offers him a cigarette and he goes, smoking. <laughs> he, just, yeah. he had a oh, cigarette yes. in his hand. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was apparently smoked. You know, you, how many cigarettes were being smoked this, in that movie? Yeah, I mean, I, it's amazing. Are you, do you quit smoking? I quit smoking, I right? Like, yeah, like 15 years ago. Oh, 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah, a um, while ago. And I, yeah, I used to right. smoke cigarettes. And now I just can't stand them. I think they're fucking gross. And oh, wow. I know. I totally flipped. I thought I wouldn't. <laughs> I thought I'd be cool yeah. with cigarettes, but now but now we used to smoke together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were smoking uh, buddies. It's true. Um, yeah, but I, 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 quit a few years ago, okay. and uh, I still miss it. Actually, though, if I if somebody else is smoking, I do think it's gross. But I, I miss the ritual. You know what? I, every it. once in a while, I, I, I have a dream where I'm smoking cigarettes. Yeah, and I wake up like mad at myself for a minute. <laughs> And then it, damn it, damn it, Adam. What, and then I have like that. Oh, it was just a dream. Thank God, moment. Oh, okay. It's for real. It's the weirdest fucking thing that's happened to me about that is like weird. four or five times. Wow. Yeah, like it's okay. All right. I do not miss <laughs> it, and everything's been better. And I wish I had done it earlier. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean everything smells better. Um, <laughs> in general, the world smells better. Food tastes better. Uh, your clothes smell better. That's fine. Yeah, but. Uh, I bring it up because this movie so much smoking. Uh, 
so much smoking. Basically, so you know, and I think we see this a lot in 40s and 50s movies. You know, they just light up, and then what you do, of course, if you're lighting a cigarette and somebody's there, you offer them one right off the bat because everybody's smoking. Everybody's smoking. Uh, yeah. Everybody's smoking constantly. So, I, I, one thing I like to imagine yeah. when I see old movies is the smell. It must, yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody smelled like cigarettes. There must have been the smell of uh, pomade, is it? Yeah. Uh, all the men had all this product in their hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all the women were hairsprayed, and, and uh, you know, they deodorant wasn't as, as useful Nor, and, or used. Uh, air conditioning was not as widespread. Exactly. So different age, yeah. you know. Uh, the people were just, and they were I, just gross, I think, at the time. <laughs> but if you see movies, everybody looks beautiful. I mean, so in some movies, in some good film noir movies, they're nice and sweaty. Right, right, right. Yeah, they're nice and, and sweaty. I was going to say, like, this, there's not to belabor the point, but the cigarette stuff is now kind <laughs> of a deal, a deal breaker for him. Like, oh, you gross loser. But fucking, um, oh my god, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's magnificent with cigarette smoke. And it's magnificent with lighting, and it it yeah. does. I, and I think that's the most noir thing about you know. That yeah, that gets that's certainly an element of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just he doesn't wear a trench coat. Oh, he does. Actually. Oh, he does. Does he? I forget. He does, and it's really weird because it's like, oh, uh, it almost seems like a cliche. Then, yeah, um, he pulls on a cliche. Uh, uh, sorry, he pulls on a cliche. He pulls on a trench coat for the the scene where they're first trying to run when they're in San Francisco. Oh yeah. When he goes back, cause he goes back to becoming a detective. And then there's this long, again, this is a, 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 a film noir trope where it's raining Yeah. and he's walking in the rain in the trench coat. Yeah. Uh, and that leads up to the scene where she shoots his old partner. That's right. 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 Um, yeah. So maybe that's a good place to close out. So what would you say are some good, like companion pieces to out of the path? There is a film noir movie called Quicksand Ooh. that I, I, I want to recommend to you with Mickey Rooney of all people. Of all people, yeah. um, is he playing an Asian? Mickey character? Rooney. <laughs> don't let's not let's not go there. Um, then this one he's playing. Uh, it's interesting because he had just come off of like ten years of playing Andy Rooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Andy? Yeah, you know, in those whole horrible. Let's put on a show movies, right? Yeah. Um, and then in the 50s, he was trying to find his uh, late 40s, 50s. He's trying to find his footing again. So this is a very dark film noir movie. And it is um, uh, it is the, the typical plot where he has um, somebody he's trying to impress. Yeah. And then he does something to that, that basically takes him out. Like he tries too hard to get out of his class in a, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. see this a lot in noir. He tries to rise up in the world and change his station. And of course, by doing that, you're doomed. Yeah, uh, yeah. So quicksand, definitely, definitely see that, and I definitely see Friends of Eddie Coyle to see Mitchum uh, later in life, and I think really, um, really uh, inhabiting a character. Yeah, like you, you would not expect it. He he did a lot of like some throwaway movies in in the fifties and sixties, and uh, I like the movie Farewell, My Lovely that he did in nineteen seventy four. I can see that it's uh, where he plays a private eye. Yeah, that feels like a a made-for-TV movie to me. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of goofy. Yeah, Uh, I showed the. I just showed the trailer of it to my students, and and they just they they just they just laugh. Yeah, yeah. uh, Because it's so over the top, he's so macho. But Friends of Eddie Coyle, I think, if he had done more of those uh, later in life, uh, those are fantastic. That's a fantastic movie and well worth uh, looking for. He did a John Wayne movie, right? Or am I just thinking of Dean Martin? Oh yes, he did. he played the uh, the Dean Martin role. Yeah, the the one he in, that they re, John, the Rio Bravo or Rio Lobo. Yeah, 
they're both the same movie. Yeah, yeah. And he, he played, he played, Dean Martin Wayne. played his role. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. John, John Wayne playing the same role. Yeah. And they changed out the teen idol and they changed out the drunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. They just said, hey, let's, this script is, it's got a little bit of dust on it, but we could still <laughs> use it. Okay. Let's use this one. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. All right. So that sounds great. Um, okay. Oh, man. is a book, is a book worth checking out? Oh, who, what, my book? Well, your book, of oh, course. No. Oh, my book. Well, I, I will say, actually, no. The book, uh, Build My Gallows High, yeah. which uh, um, this movie is based on, is an interesting companion to it. I don't think it's a fantastic uh, book. Yeah. I think uh, I, I, when I read it, it was more like, oh, that's really cool. But I, I, it's not necessarily memorable for its prose. There are some nice passages. But uh, it's the same plot. But I really think sh- they streamlined it well for the movie. Terrific. Because it gets a little too convoluted, convoluted for, the, for, the, for, the, uh, for the book. And I do have a book out. I just want to plug it. Yeah. Called uh, Noir, Noir Eurekan. Yeah. It's out now. It's an anthology of, uh, of noir stories from sci-fi to crime fiction to horror. So everything when everybody's doomed <laughs> in all the stories, but I think it's hilarious. Oh, so I hope, I hope, I hope people buy it. Uh, yeah. I hope so too, man. And uh, look, thanks so much for coming on. This is great. And, uh, no, my pleasure. I man. hope you, yeah, I want, I hope you come back. Let's think of another movie you want to talk about. Yeah. Let's think of another movie. We'll do that. We'll do it again. Yeah, excellent. Now, now, now that I, now that I've, uh, <laughs> I, I've uh, got my feet wet. <laughs> Indeed. All right. All right, Join me next week on Cinema Death Cult, where I discuss the films of Daft Punk. Sorry, I was trying to do um, Don Pardo. I'm not live. Anyway. <laughs>